Yo, it's Ellis. This week on 80 Page Giants. Yeah, because that sounds like Superman. A motorcycle riding, non-cape having, powerless guy. The fanboy you just described sounded just like Ryan. I hate to break it to you, I think this is the same pitch that they use for Gathering of the Juggalos. Yeah, but there's no makeup. <laughs> and no Juggalos. Welcome to another episode of 80 Page Giants. I am your host, David. With me, as always, is Ellis. And I'm probably the only co-host still going to be on. That's that's. They're all gone. They're done. They're done. Yeah. Pink they're slips for all of them. And uh, this week, we have a very special guest, Mike Espinoz, who writes for Legion of Leia. Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? Hey, how you doing, man? Thank you for joining us tonight. Man, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, Mike, why don't you tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do on Legion of Leia? Well, uh, I got started with Legion of Leia a little earlier this year. I had asked the uh, founder, Jenna Bush, to talk to some of my students about an article she'd written. And uh, afterwards, we struck up a conversation, and she asked if I wanted to write for her. Uh, awesome. Obviously, it's a pretty awesome, pretty awesome opportunity for me. I get to talk about comic books. I get to write. And weirdly enough, something that doesn't happen on the internet, people actually read it. <laughs> We're trying to get people to just press play right now, much less like give them words to read. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tough industry. Yeah. So how long have you been reading comics for? Oh, man. Um, when I was a kid, I was not a fan of reading. And my parents realized <laughs> pretty early on yeah. that, you know, he doesn't want to read, but he picks up the funny books and he won't put them down. So I was, I've been reading probably... Man, since Ninja Turtles. Right on. I understand that. Uh, you ever read the old, like, what was it, the old terrible Archie Ninja Turtle comics? Man, I have, um, I still have some of the original Laird and Eastman oh, uh, wow. comics, yeah. Super go back. Very yeah, they're hiding in a long box somewhere. <laughs> awesome. And uh, so you've been having a good experience since you started writing for them? Yeah, actually, um, one of the things I wanted to do is there's a lot of people who are out there willing to give their opinions about comic books, mm -hmm. but there's not a lot of people who are just like the everyday reader who actually talk about comic books. Right. And I took a huge break, man. I um, In high school, I decided I wanted to hang out with girls. Sure. And comic books doesn't have anything to do with hanging out with girls. Nothing. Well, nowadays, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny percentage. Oh, that's because you weren't around struggling as a teenager in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, no, I uh, I graduated right at the end of the 90s, and comic books were, it was kind of one of those things, I think Kevin Smith said it best when he said it was one of those things like uh, tapping feet under a stall, you find out if somebody's a fan or not, <laughs> just like by feeling them out. Is that what that meant? I've been doing it wrong this whole time. It's for comic books, man. Hey, if it works. Hey. <laughs> All right, on. So, um, okay, so being that you generally do a comic book review uh, portion for, for the site, right? Yeah. What I've uh, read and everything. So I think tonight what we want to do is talk about the gigantic, I don't know, whatever you would want to call outcome of DC's recent uh, Convergence event and all the new DCU cleverly titled by someone who got paid way too much money to come up with that terrible slogan. Um, yeah. And all the books that they have coming out, some of which I'm pretty excited about. Some of which I don't understand why they're making that happen. Well, with the DCU, I have a uh, I have a feeling there was a bunch of executives sitting in a room going, "Yeah, that sounds good. Let's go. It, it sounds good to you. It sounds good to me." You get it? it? DCU, like it's you? Ha! 
Yeah, it's it's a painful slogan. Although one thing God. when it comes to DC Universe, uh-huh. uh huh. Today we're recording. It's the uh, what the seventh, I believe. Yeah, it's uh, uh, no June 9th, ten. I'm sorry. Um, June 9th is today in fictional history the death of Batman's parents. Okay, wait, no, I think today's the tenth. Oh, wait, I don't think our time zones are that different. It's June 9th today. Oh, is it June 9th? No, yep, you're right. My computer is a complete day ahead of me. It's got to be that Australian time. That It is, and it's weird that I'm on Australian time in Florida, but I play by my own rules, and I won't apologize for that. So today's the fictional death of Bruce Wayne's parents. That is correct. At uh, 10.48 tonight, I believe, is the, uh, the official time. I was kind of speaking of that exactly almost. I was kind of annoying um, Ellis and some of the other guys. Uh, was it yesterday where yeah. I wanted to try to figure out like the year Bruce Wayne w- would have been born <laughs> and then like when his parents would have been killed and how old Dick Grayson was or something? Yeah, like that, that got really murky really quick. The whole Dick Grayson aspect of it. Oh yeah, ages ages get real murky in comic books just because they use like a sliding time scale. Well, I was going everything off the Golden Age stuff. Oh. Because I figured that's, like, the easiest way to, like, actually pin anything down, right? So I discovered, and this is going to be super interesting to people who aren't asleep yet, um, that – so the, the whole aspect – the whole thing with Bruce Wayne and his parents, right? They're coming out of the, uh, the Mask of Zorro or the Mark of Zorro. Yeah. With Douglas Fairbanks, which yeah. came out in November of uh, 1920. Wow. And I think so. It's generally um, understood that Bruce was around eight years old when that happened. So, yes. so his birth date would have been um, February nineteenth, nineteen twelve. Okay, I'm I'm with you there. And no, I, that that's pretty much it. So his parents would have been killed in like November, December of nineteen twenty. Which I think would have put him around 27 in 1939, like when the first Batman comic would have uh, – Detective 27 would have come out. Right. And um, – which a lot of that was retconned later with Frank Miller yeah. uh, changing his age around. I mean like I said, comic books are a sliding time scale. You just have to just have to accept it. And then you get into the whole the, – I got into a, the whole murkiness of Dick Grayson being seven years old when he would have been Robin for the first time. It just was a little uncomfortable. Well, you have to think about the time that when those Golden Age comics came out. That's true. You know, a millionaire picking up a seven-year-old boy didn't seem that unusual. Yeah, but the seven-year-old boy then, like, leaping off a balcony and, like, collapsing some criminal's chest, you know, that's... <laughs> that's normal day stuff. Sure, why not? I don't know what kids do. I, I'll, I'll buy that. Why not? It's either that or a hoop and a stick. <laughs> those are their only options. Starving, that was really popular back then. They liked that. Just suffering. Um, and that's the most historical our podcasts have ever gotten. <laughs> so, all right, let's um, jump just a few years to uh, this year um, from 1940 to 2015. And uh, DC wraps up their last big event, which was the Convergence um, title, which now everything happened. Everything counts according to official company canon. And so nothing happened. I don't really understand how it all pans out exactly or what's – everything counts? Is that the yeah. correct thing to take away from it? Honestly, all they needed to do was send back another Superman and another Flash 
to uh, that was like the correct amount of Superman to send back. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 still kind of trying to sort itself out. I think it's gonna be one of those things that people analyze for a long time coming up. The um, the main issue I've seen with the the DCU and the whole convergence thing is that I think what it comes down to is uh, Grant Morrison talks about it. He loves all the different eras of Superman sure. and uh, Batman, and he wants people to accept those. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things that comic book fans, myself included, take way too seriously is uh, continuity and timelines. I agree with and that. It's just too hard to make that happen. So if you make everything fair game and you say, listen, we're making everything fair game. We're going to do an event. We're going to make it happen. It's all good to go. You don't run into a problem where people are like, well, that didn't happen. Well, yeah, that's okay, though. Yeah, but I feel like fanboys really like that, though. Like, they they like lording over, like, oh, this counts, this doesn't count. Um, I'm kind of – I'm in the, the, the camp of i very much against continuity. I'm really, uh, I'm really into, like, essential reading. You know, my, my favorite comic book was uh, Grant Morrison's JLA, and by all accounts, that didn't uh, happen anymore. But now I guess it did happen, but on a different Earth. And oh, right. So well, we've had infinite Earths forever. Oh, no, no, for sure. But I just mean, like, as far as I never really pay attention to, like, you know, you can say this event no longer counts, but it still happened. I own the book. I'm looking at it on my bookshelf, you know. Um just because, like you said, oh, this doesn't count anymore, doesn't erase the fact that it happened. But I feel like a lot of fans really like to hold on to that kind of stuff and really demand everything fits into like a really nice little package of what they can digest and accept. Right, I agree with that. Um, one of the things I would say though is, if you want to know why they're bringing everything back, look at what's selling. Mm-hmm. If you uh, if you play Injustice Gods Among Us. You'll see that you know the Red Sun Pack sells all the different eras of Su- Superman, all the different eras of Batman and Flash. All those things sell, and they're realizing there's a market for this. So if they can bring it all back, they can uh, they can test market what sells and what doesn't. And comic books now, I don't care what people say about continuity and and um, things like that. They need to sell comic books, otherwise we won't have them. No, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think it's weird that there hasn't really been that big seep over from the movies into the books. Comics don't really tend to benefit that much from all the massive success of the movies. Um, but getting back to what you're just saying, I don't see. I mean, listen, I'm I'm all in favor of the multiverse. I love it. I, I love everything about it. Um, but I don't see what was needed to like put out another Red Sun book, other than it probably wouldn't be as great as the original. But, like, why can't you just do that anyways? It was already an Elseworld title. Why get hung up on, like, okay, now that it happened and it happened on this Earth? Like, it, it always happened on a different Earth, you know? Like, how much are we actually going to get mainstream DC books that will explore all these different worlds? Honestly, what I think it was was fan service. Okay. Um, a lot of people wanted to see this stuff come back. DC needed to cover two months while they moved their offices from the East Coast to the West Coast. True. And I think that this this event was a chance to officially say that everything's game and to be a fan service to all those people who want to see stuff um, like the like um, all the different Batmans, Red Sun. Um, I mean, there's been just so many things going on, and a lot of things came back that were fair game. All the all the Batgirls in mm-hmm. one book. Um, it was phenomenal to see all these people come together and all those what if conversations um, as they as they met each other. What happens if Thomas Wayne got to meet Bruce Wayne and they were both Batman? It would I mean, be super underwhelming, apparently. 
Yeah, that's what well, I learned. <laughs> I honestly think that in that book, I, I, I agree that that was painful. But um, the one splash page really said more for me than any of the writing. Which one in the uh, when when Bruce Wayne met Thomas Wayne of Earth Two? Yeah, when they when they got together and they met, and the way they looked at each other, there was this one splash page, and I have it, and um, I'll you know what I'll include it later. I'll see if I can get it out there, and it was just phenomenal. That page art sometimes says more than any of the words on the page. I tell you, out of the entire Convergence series, the the thing that hit me more because the the Thomas Bruce Wayne thing did nothing for me. I was very like, oh, this feels super forced. But I, I forget, it was towards the end of the series when, um, let's say, pre-Flashpoint Superman uh, was talking with Dick Grayson and just giving him, like, that nice classic Superman uh, inspirational speech. And just, like, the kind of the return of form of that version of Superman, which we haven't really seen in the past several years because Superman seems really into being angsty nowadays. Um, well, yeah, he has. And uh, did you read Action Comics 41 that just came out? I have not. Oh, he's – it's it's a super weak Superman. He comes back and um, – Okay, I mean, Alice was telling me about this. Okay. Badassery yeah. ensues. He puts on a funny T-shirt, essentially yeah. steals a motorcycle and punches evil in the face. Yeah, because that sounds like Superman, a motorcycle riding, non-cape-having, powerless guy. Suit-wise, they went back to what Grant Morrison started with in the New 52. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if you guys remember, like, right before uh, Flashpoint, when J. Michael Straczynski, however you say his name, was doing Superman and decided that he was going to have Superman walk everywhere and be really melodramatic about everything. Like, It's just like, okay, it's this isn't Superman, though. No, nobody wants emo Superman. No, but I, I mean, I feel like, okay, now we're getting, like, tough guy Superman with a shaved head and no cape. It's like, well, it's it's not really Superman. These aren't yeah, Superman comics. I mean, it's not your Superman, but you got to remember that growing up um, in 1993 after the death of Superman, mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out which new Superman was going to be mine. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, oh, is it going to be Cyborg Superman? No. Is Steel? <laughs> no. And then they tease you and they bring back Superman. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's electric blue with lightning. That's going to be awesome. Well, to be fair, that was a little bit after he came back. <laughs> yeah, but enough to the point where you're like, uh, that's not my Superman. No, it, no, it was not great. I'll be I'll be honest with you. Um, when they did the hype for that, I, I was I was thinking I was like maybe early middle school, maybe something like that. And I bought into it lock, stock and barrel. Oh, like, yeah, this man. Is I was cool. This is a dope costume. And then it happened. You're like, this is not good. I don't know why I was excited for this. No, I mean, even with the return of Superman, I, I was in the love. black costume. Oh, yeah. Well, I was in love with the death of Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been so excited to kill a comic book character in my life. <laughs> and um, I thought I really hated Superman because I was like, yes, yes, right. he's going to die. And it was amazing. And I reread the trade paperback until the thing was falling apart. Yeah. And then uh, they brought back Superman. I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> oh, I like, was into the return stuff way more than the death stuff. The, uh, we were talking about this on the last episode, I, I think, or maybe the episode before that. Um, death of Superman was one, like, one of the first trade paperbacks I ever got. I was in first grade when it came out. And I still have my beat-up copy somewhere around my apartment here. Oh, and yeah. 
But like when they did the whole comeback thing, I totally bought into the reign of Superman. At the time, I thought Eradicator was like the coolest looking thing. And then nowadays, it's so painfully 90s. Like it has not aged well at all. No. Um, but that's like, I was like, oh, man, this this is really cool. But any but they're all different variations. And I felt like reign of Superman, much like Nightfall, was DC kind of saying, hey, you know, extreme versions of these characters don't really work. There's a reason why this stuff is classic in the first place, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. And when you try to put a 1940s character uh-huh. into 1990s extreme Mountain Dew and Doritos and X mm-hmm. Games style, yep. you run into you run into some seriously painful um, painful pages <laughs> and books. <laughs> but I feel like that's what the Death of Superman and Nightfall was all about. Was like super commentary. It's like this is what you want. You want pouches on everything. You want tiny feet and grimacing. You know. Yeah, no. I mean, I, 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 in the last, um, the last review I did, I actually talked about Nightfall because everyone's all upset about Bunny Batman and all this other stuff that's happening, and yeah. we just need to accept the fact that that change happens, and mm-hmm. we try it, and if it's really awesome, we love it. Yeah, that Red Sun, and if it sucks, we pretend it didn't happen or make fun of it later. Well, yeah, and I, I try to tell, I argue that we. Um, for people who listen who don't know, Alice and I are part of a uh, DC Comics fan page, and we often will get into arguments with people on the page because, you know, it, it's it's a lot of new fans. It's a lot of people who want to see memes of the Red Hood and uh, snappy conversations between Batman and Superman, but uh, they they overreact to everything, which I think is a general in general like a, a pretty comic book fan boy thing to do is just to get super bent out of shape, and you know it's. I've been reading comic books long enough to know nothing they do is going to last forever. And, the you know, there's really no reason to get so bent out of shape over anything that happens. Because if you don't like it, it's going to go away. No, and, I if, agree. and in the meantime, you still have all the other books that you like anyways. The problem is you get a lot of people who don't read comics, period. And then, you know, they'll get, you know, then, then a, something will happen. Even if it was super built into the story for years. You know, when the payoff finally comes and then they freak out because it's not the last time they checked in with something years ago. So that's my rant about fanboys. <laughs> the fanboy you just described, like, at the beginning of it, sounded just like Orion. He was hating all over the whole Batman thing. And he never read anything. He, like, uh, he I'll hadn't even read... I, uh... uh when they first, because the the Jim Gordon Batman Bunny thing leaked super early, um, and uh, it's like I think Endgame wasn't quite over. I think I think I still had a few more issues left to go when all Two the and everything leaked. Yeah, and I, at the at the time I was like, yeah, okay, this is cool. Next thing up, let's see where it goes. But then Batman Endgame ended so fucking poorly to me that it just killed any momentum or interest I had going into uh, this next arc, which is really rare because I'm generally a big fan of uh, that book and all interest just kind of went out the window with how badly Endgame ended up being to me. I think they were doing their best trying to end it uh, uh-huh. by 40. I feel like they might have had another issue or two in them to get there and somebody just told them, listen, we need all storylines wrapped up by 40. Yeah. Did you ever read Superman Unchained? Oh, the, God. the Scott Snyder, Jim Lee book? You know what? I wanted to. Um, I came back to comic books about a year ago. Okay. And I've I've got a giant um, stack of shame of things I need to get to. They're like all these things you missed. Please, please read them. Yeah. 
I, I will say that next to Grant Morrison's um, Action Comics run, Superman Unchained is probably the second best um, Superman book since um, DC relaunched back in 2011. It's really good all the way up until that last issue, and it exactly reads like what you're saying with Endgame. And it, it just – the whole – all the momentum, all the storylines feels like they're like, oh, hey, uh, you got to end this now. And it, it makes no sense within the context of anything else that was happening in the story. Like everything about it just feels super rushed and forced. And that's yeah, what it was like Scott the last Snyder, you would think would have a little bit more room to not getting, you know, um, being put under the pressure like that. No, I agree with that. Um, it's it's it happens in comic books. It happens in writing. Yeah. Somebody says, "Listen, we need this. Um, we need it done a certain way." And you're like, "I got these things I got to do," and they're like, "I don't care. Just do it." Yeah. And it happens everywhere. And you just got to go with what you can and put the best piece of it forward. Yeah. Okay, so now coming out of Convergence, we have the new DC Universe, which is possibly the old DC Universe, but we're hanging out on this new, uh, I guess, multiverse world where all these stories are taking place. And DC is um, making over, as we said with Batman and Superman, they're making over a lot of existing stuff. Uh, Wonder Woman's getting a new creative team, or they might have already just started. And they're also launching a ton of new books, including Cyborg, um, we are Robin. They're getting uh, Damian Wayne Robin, his own solo title. Um, they're doing Starfire, which they're—I guess—they're—they're they're pulling away from um, the Outlaw right. book, and she's act that her book is actually taking place down in Key West, Florida, which is where I live, and is super weird that a comic book would take place here. Um, they're also Brian Hitch of um, Marvel's Ultimates fame is getting his own uh, shot on a Justice League of America book, which I'm super anticipating. And uh, just just a, uh, what, what other books are coming out? Batmite, Superman, Omega Dr. Man, which Fate. is really weird and obscure. Omega Man was terrible. Omega <laughs> Man was terrible. Okay, so let, let's get into that. So now we've already had, at this point, um, we've already had the first wave of these books start. And uh, Bat- also Batman Beyond um, got another new comic. Doctor uh, Fate was another one. Is that out yet, though? Uh, this week. This week? Okay. So we already went through the first wave, and by the time this comes out, we'll be into the second wave of new books. And what do you think so far out of what you've seen? Most of what I've seen I have a really positive response to. Okay. Um, honestly, I thought uh, Justice League was a little too heavy, but um, they were relying on, on people on readers knowing a lot uh-huh. of what happened before. And one of the things I've been trying to tell people is with this with this event, a lot of storylines are starting new at mm-hmm. forty one. So yeah. now's the time to jump in. If you're looking to get into comics, you're not gonna you're not gonna miss too much. You're not gonna feel lost. You can pop in where you're at, and you'll see a lot of new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman or um, sorry, Action Comics forty one was phenomenal. Okay, it uh, like I really enjoyed it. It's you know, like we said, it wasn't my it wasn't the Superman I'm used to. But it's a Superman I could get behind. And you know what? I'd like to know what it's like for Superman while he's recovering from the, from the loss of his powers. Uh-huh. He gets into a street fight, and he gets, he gets his ass kicked a little. And it's, it's kind of fun. Does, doesn't he try picking a fight with the Flash also, and he just socks him in the face? Um, that was a page from a different comic, and I can't think of which one. I haven't gotten to that page yet, but um, it, wasn't in, it wasn't in Action Comics 41. Oh, okay. It's probably the main Superman title. 
It might be. The cool thing, I think it might be. Um, the cool thing about Action Comics 41, and I don't mean to be too spoilery, but... Eh, gets, spoil it. We're, we're all gets, about spoiling things on this show. He gets back home, and you see a lot of the conflict. Because he comes back to, um, I forget what neighborhood he's in. And um, he comes back to his neighborhood in Metropolis, and it's, it's cordoned off by the police. And somebody tells him to let him through. And the people are throwing a street festival for him because they can't believe that Superman is their neighbor. And they uh-huh. love him. While other people are afraid of him that he's some evil alien, and it's a really great, um, it's a really great social justice story to play off of. You okay. don't need Superman's powers. It's fun to see what happens when people are afraid of this alien that they now know who he is. I don't want to say fan service because I don't know that fans were demanding a powerless Superman, but it also kind of feels like that same guy who's like, "Well, what if Batman didn't have all his money? What if Superman didn't have all his powers?" It's like, well, who cares? They do. Like, why are you obsessing over? You know what I'm trying to say? Right, but I think it doesn't necessarily it isn't necessarily to answer that question. I think it's because you get to a point with Superman where you really can't do anything with him. I mean, he's too powerful. He's too unbeatable. And short of bringing an event like Doomsday again, and they did have the Doomsday virus, but that's it's And that different. was terrible. Yeah, that was that's that's <laughs> You talk about comics I've already out. read before. My god, was that bad? Yeah. Um I mean, any Every time they try to resurrect Doomsday in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and try to capture some of that magic from the death of Superman, it just hurts. Yeah. Well, I think Doomsday falls into that category. I'm going to put Bane in that same category, where it's like these are villains who are so big. And I'll put Onslaught from Marvel, too. Is like these are villains who are so big that they really have one shot in them. And once that's been done, like you really can't bring them back to any... Like, what are you going to do? You're going to break Bruce Wayne's back again? You can't ever do that again. It's already been done. So every time you bring back that character, you're just getting a less interesting, less dangerous version. And it really waters down that character as a whole. Absolutely. Um, I I completely agree with that. That's one of those reasons where I almost wish that many of these characters would have just died and stayed dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that hardly. It's, It's like, you know, come up with... And I think that's my my biggest issue with a lot of it is I'm very much for, like, hey, you want to kill off Hal Jordan? Great. Let's see what the next five Green Lanterns are going to be. You want to kill off this person? I I, I have no problem with things moving forward, legacy characters taking up mantles, the whole rewinding and it's like, okay, Barry Allen's the Flash again. But, you know, shouldn't we be seeing, like, what Wally West's daughter is doing is – you know, coming into her own as the Flash at this point in comics. Shouldn't we be seeing the next big threat and not Doomsday again? You know, like, those comics already happened. They exist. They're print. You know, they're in print. You can go to the store and buy them in trade paperback form. Why? What's with the constant rehashing of everything? Um, honestly, that, that, that sentiment alone brings me to one of the things that I, that I really do talk about to everybody I can. Mm-hmm. And I said this to you earlier um, before we started. I'm a bit of a hipster when I talk about it, uh-huh. but there are so many good indie comics mm-hmm. that people really need to get away from the big two yep. and start looking at Image. They need to start looking at Boom. They need to start looking at um, IDW. Mm-hmm. You know, IDW isn't just joke comics like, oh, what happens if Doctor Who meets Star Trek? You know, it's <laughs> there's good stuff there. Yeah. I'm a big fan of their uh, Transformers versus G.I. Joe by Tom Scioli. I mean, their versus stories are great. Archie versus Predator? I can't get into Archie. I can't no. do it. I have Archie stigma. I can't do it. 
I'm sure it's very good. I've heard great things about um, the afterlife with Archie, but I there's there's no point for me where I'm in on Archie books. Imagine Predator hunting Archie. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, but it's like they're the tiny digest books like at the checkout counter as I'm leaving the supermarket, and I, I can't get into it. It's not Batman. It's not cool. It's like that part of me is like a little kid still, and it's like, oh, this is not cool comics, and it might sound really close-minded because I've heard great things about them. And, you know, Mark Wade is going to do a, a, a big Archie relaunch in a couple yeah. months or coming up real soon. But I, I can't get into Archie, man. Honestly, it's um, it took me a long time to get over the, oh, this is a cheap knockoff comic feel of Archie. Uh-huh. And realize, like, you know, somebody had to just bang me over the head with a book and say, listen, read yeah. this. Tell uh-huh. me this is not good. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's not a good book. I've heard too many great things from, you know, people in comics who I respect saying how great it is to bash it. I'm just like, personally, I I don't know what it would take to put an Archie book in my hands and make me like physically read it. No, I got you because, you know, I grew up um, waiting in line and check out. Yeah. There was two things you had to stare at and it was either the Archie book mm-hmm. or, you know, whoever was gracing the cover of Cosmo. And, both of them were equally unpalatable to read. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I have real comics sitting at home. I don't want these. Um, but no, IDW puts out some great stuff. As far as legacies and comic books moving forward, which is really important to me, I'm a big fan of Savage Dragon, which is about to put out its 204th issue. And it's all the, – the whole book is about characters growing and moving forward and has like this gigantic cast of characters. And I know – Nowadays, it's a comic book that I've read off and on since I was a kid when it first came out. And I know people have a lot of uh, varied opinions on Eric Larson um, as a writer and as an artist nowadays. But just as far as a, a fun book that constantly moves forward with its story, I think there's very few titles that are being published um, for that many consecutive issues at this point that have such a compelling forward-moving story. Any any ongoing comic that can get above sixty issues is a miracle. At this oh point. yeah, absolutely. So what uh, what other books are you uh, what what DC books are you anticipating out of this whole reboot? Not really a reboot, but this whole kind of relaunch. And what indie books are you really into? Well, um, as far as DC goes, my biggest fear is that they're going to kill um, Gotham by Midnight because that's a great horror story. Uh-huh. Out of um, out of DC, it's set in Gotham. Mm-hmm. I think Batman appears in all of about two panels. Okay, and it um, it's just the the storyline that follows. The art is beautiful. It's it's just if you're into horror comics, and weirdly for whatever reason, I am into horror comics. Mm-hmm. I love the the melting faces of people and the that that whole like runny looking art that just is frightening mm-hmm. and haunts your dreams. Um, that book is great because there's nothing else like it in the DC line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love I love Scott Snyder, uh, Greg Capullo. Those that combo right there, and in general, anything Scott Snyder reads, I'll, I'll or writes, I'll read. Okay, have you checked out his Witches book? Yes. Okay. Um, finished the sixth issue, and it, they wrapped it up there. And I, I I couldn't tell if they were wrapping it up to end it or wrapping it up to go on. I didn't really. I didn't really get like a full feel for it, and okay. it's so far in between books. Mm-hmm. But it was a great, it was a good book, and it, the, and that's another book where you know the art by Jacques just really just 
sold yeah. it as much as the writing did. Um, as far as other like non-Batman storylines in DC, um, I really enjoy Green Arrow. I think that that, that storyline is solid. I think it's going to continue real well. Uh-huh. Um, I don't read any of the any of the the TV show tie-in books. Yeah, I just have a hard time with that. I'm like, I like the TV show. That's great. I like the Flash comic books. Those are great. I don't need to read a tie-in. You know, I don't know if this counts as a TV tie-in because the show's no longer on the air. But I have recently fallen in love with the '66 Batman comic. Oh God! Well, I mean, I grew up when I was a kid. There was no, there was nothing on to nothing to watch during the day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was just it was even Nickelodeon had just like Lassie and Dennis the Menace. I remember old black and white shows. And then this 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 color bomb came on, mm-hmm. and you could catch it, and it was Batman. It was Adam West Batman, and it was really my first exposure to Batman, and I fell in love with it. And it was ridiculous, and I was a kid, and I didn't know. Yeah. And it was amazing. And, yeah, um, Kevin Smith, when he started back up with Batman 66 and the ongoing story so far, it's just it, – it's campy, but it's so well written. Yeah. It's good. Uh, Jeff Parker, I think, did a lot of the first early issues, and I think they have somebody else on there now. But it, they're just such a super fun, lighthearted um, – I'm a big fan of Silver Age stuff. I, I just like the creativity and energy from that era and a lot of the artists. But it's just like – just it's one of the few books out that just feels light and you know, it, it's, it's silly, but it's not ridiculous. You it's know what's going to – it's very much in that world, and I, I really enjoy it. I think it's a really well-done book, and I think it's a shame it doesn't get talked about enough it, along with the other Batman comics. You know, it's a, it's a ridiculous statement, but one of my favorite comics right now from DC is Scooby-Doo. Really? Okay. It's it's First off, I can read it with my kids. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about you know somebody getting stabbed in the eyeball. Right. Um, well, until captures- they do the new dark, edgy... Um, Scooby-Doo, where he shaves his head and goes across the country on a motorcycle. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, it captures everything you loved about the old TV show for Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. but the writing is fresh. It doesn't feel just reworked and redone. And it's just a, it's a fun comic book. And it, in the in the vein of fun comic books, it's a great read. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a handful of other ones. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm looking at trying to pull up my pull list right now to see what's coming out in the next couple of weeks that I'm excited about. It's There's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, DC is one of my favorite consistent providers although or uh, publishers. But every so often, there's a week where you're just like, wow, there's really nothing for me this week? I felt a lot of that during Convergence, honestly. Um, the, the only high point to me was really uh, the Captain Marvel issues. Or I guess the Shazam, I guess what they call it now. Shazam. Conversions tie-in issues, those two by uh, Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner were just phenomenal and are actually probably in the running for my two favorite comics of the year. I agree. Shazam was, it was great. Um, I want to see them do more with them. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the, uh, the, I'm trying to think, the, the, the Justice League book I just read, um, I mean, Shazam has very little, very small part in there, mm-hmm. but they really bring forth the character I'd like to see them do a lot more with them. Um, some of the books that I'm really looking for. Oh, by the way, Booster Gold. I love yeah. Booster Gold. I don't know why. Like, he's either a love it or hate it character, and I just absolutely am in love with him. 
Ellis uh, has just started reading the uh, um, pre New Fifty Two yeah. Jeff Johns um, Dan Jurgens Booster Gold Run. So good, I love oh, it. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, our other co-host Mikey is also a, probably the biggest Booster Gold fan that I know. So it's kind of unfortunate that he's not here, but is sleeping or losing playing FIFA. Uh, Booster Gold is one of those things. It's like NASCAR. There's uh-huh. two types of fans. Uh, there's two types of people when it comes to NASCAR and Booster Gold. Rednecks. Those of you, and... those of you, those of you that read it and seen it, uh-huh. and those who haven't. Yeah. If you have never been to a NASCAR race, I really couldn't tell you what happens on the track, but it's one of the best parties you'll ever go to. Okay. So, um, when it, full disclosure, big NASCAR fan is what you're telling us. Um, you know what? I I, I casually follow the season the rest of the time. <laughs> but when it comes to town, uh-huh. uh, if you could imagine, you know, like 40 acres of 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 drunken party uh-huh. and just one of the best like environments you could be in. It's just it's like a um, it's like going to a major like concert like um, I'm trying to think like Lollapalooza or, right. some, or Burning Man or something where it's just a long, long party and everybody's there to have fun you have no idea what's actually happening on stage or on the track but you're just having a great time i hate to break it to you i think this is the same pitch that they use for gathering of the juggalos yeah but there's no makeup (laughs) and no juggalos (laughs) well then that's a plus that is really how they should sell most things there are no juggalos yeah but, (laughs) but booster gold's the same thing everyone's like booster gold is stupid i'm like no 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 Please read it. Yeah, no, I think he had a really nice renaissance uh, several years back during the first 52 title um, miniseries. And ever since then, I feel like they really started taking him serious as a character and not like a gritty dark way, which people normally mean when they say serious, but just as like this is a good character and these are fun stories. Right, and I don't get why people think it's unacceptable for a hero to promote himself. I just, <laughs> what's wrong with that? Well, I mean, they're supposed to be virtuous or something. I don't know. You know what? He's still doing good. And if he wants to get some endorsements doing good, that's mm-hmm. great by me. No, listen, Ellis and I are just waiting to sell out the first chance we get. Anyone. Seriously? Yeah, that's, that's, that's our only goal in life at this point is just to sell out and hang out on helicopters and give sassy opinions about comic books. Can't forget the yachts. <laughs> You need to make that your theme song, uh, Sell Out from Real Big Fish. I don't know that we can clear that yet, but once we sell out, we will. Fantastic. Uh, what's that? I said that's fantastic. <laughs> Just going to buy their entire back catalog, Real Big Fish. You hear me? I'm sure you could get it pretty cheap right now. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, yeah. Honestly, uh, coming up, though, what I'm looking at is... Um, Red Hood and Arsenal, I think that's going to be a great combination. <sighs> Scott LaBelle, really? he drives me insane. Okay, so um, I, I have a legit question um, that's not just us rambling about comics here, and that is Scott Lobdell, uh, writer of Red Hood and the Outlaws originally, and now of several different books at DC. Um, that all he was the not mastermind behind uh, the Superman Doom virus thing. He is doing the upcoming Red Hood and uh, Arsenal book. I find a, a, almost all of his female characterizations to be terrible, to be very hollow, and just... I feel like he doesn't write women very well at all. 
No. It just goes uh, for very much a uh, this is really cool to 13-year-old boys kind of uh, vibe for female characters. Well, see, I run into this big problem. Is I teach middle schoolers, uh-huh. and the more time you spend around middle schoolers, mm-hmm. the more your mind like thinks like them. Right. So I'm looking forward to the banter uh-huh. in this book. And yeah, I agree with you 100. Not he's not the only person who has bad characterization of females. Yeah, no, no, not at all. But he feels it's like he, he's been in the industry for so long, and is generally given you know fairly big things to work on. And uh, you know, you take a character like Starfire, who honestly, I don't care unless you're like in your late 30s, early 40s, and we're reading the George Perez New Teen Titans. Anything under that age bracket, you don't really know or care about Starfire unless you were a kid young enough to start watching the Teen Titans cartoons, which is really where her renaissance as a character came from. And uh, so then to take that character who has a really big young fan base and do what they did with her in Red Hood and the Outlaws was very strange. Um, It was just a very bizarre move to me. And uh, I, I don't know. This everything about and his writing just is very weird. I think that um, one of the biggest problems I run into is that nobody knows how to talk to girls. Uh huh. And I think that's a problem all comic book fans have had for a long time. Hmm. Um, one of the big issues we run into when it comes to characterizing girls is we, as um, writers, they it's it's hard to understand how a female character would think in that situation because so rarely is a strong female character represented anywhere mm-hmm. that for you to be like, oh, well, this is what a strong character, female character would be like. Unless we're going to have a whole lot of Ripley's, there's really not a whole lot of, um, not a whole lot of good role models out there. And <laughs> for a second, I thought you meant the believe it or not museum. And I was like, yeah, we should have more of those. That, that sounds fun actually. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean my closest one is in Wisconsin Dells and that's only like three hours away. I need more close home. Yeah, exactly. Home. There should you know, like there should be a Ripley's to Starbucks ratio for every city. I hope not. <laughs> but I mean, look at Harley Quinn. You have yeah. a character who was a phenomenally strong, although definitely um they definitely had some challenges with her. Uh-huh. When it comes to like Gotham City Sirens and things like that, they started to give her her voice. And then you look at the ongoing Harley Quinn and – I mean I love puns. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Harley Quinn with, with puns is phenomenal. Um, but they have a hard time making her actually be the leader of the gang. Yeah. It's, it's still Harley is a second banana in her own book. Yeah. No, I've never read the Harley uh, solo title, but everything to me it seemed like – they had like, oh, this is close enough to Deadpool. We can cash in on that. Yeah, no, and I, as much as I love Deadpool, I hate Deadpool. He's yeah. done so much damage to the comic book industry mm-hmm. as far as what people want. And every now every character's got to break the fourth wall. Every character's, you know, got to have a stupid catchphrase, and yeah. it, it doesn't work. I it, it works for Deadpool, and it's great for Deadpool, but that doesn't mean you can export that to everything else you have. Yeah. Um, but no, as, as far as female characters go, yeah, I agree that Starfire, what they're working on and Red Hood and Arsenal, like I said, I'm going to be looking for banter and it's not going to be a a, a book I read seriously, but it's going to be a book I read. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as books I take seriously, I have a lot of hope for Constantine. Um, 
I really hope that a lot of the fans, a lot of what I was I was um, looking for, is them to make Constantine kind of the d bag that he is. It's. It, do you it, think a, that they're ever going to be able to recap for people who don't know? Um, Constantine of the failed TV show and even worse movie had a really popular, not indie, but not necessarily a mainstream book in the 90s called Hellblazer. And a lot of the things that people love about the character all came from that. And I don't know if they can do a PG-13 version of that book. No, and I don't think they're going to try. Um, honestly, with with Constantine... The thing is, is that it, for those of you, I mean, to, to go further down the nerdy rabbit hole, those of you who've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, he was truly chaotic neutral. You didn't know what he was going to do. He he could flip a coin and be like, yeah, I'm going to help you. Or, you know what? No, no. I'm just, I really want to see what's going to happen when these demons tear you apart. Yeah. But and, so how, but how do you get, like, I feel like uh, the, the, the fan base that really loved him loved this particular really dark, crazy book from the Vertigo era of the 90s. And I don't know that that character really works outside of that. Or maybe they just haven't come up with a new different take for it. But I feel like a lot of the things that the people loved about the character were that, and all we're getting now is the PG-13 of what was otherwise uh, R-rated movie. No, I agree with that. Um, but you know what? Somebody's going to try. Yeah. And... I've, I've, I, I, I'm going to buy the book in hopes that it, it works. And if it doesn't work, it's just going to be one more try. Was there and a Constantine book for the new 52 relaunch, or was he just part of Justice League Dark? Justice League Dark is okay. where he was at. I don't think he ever had a solo title. Uh-huh. He did. Oh, did he? Yeah. How many issues did they make it to on that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean... Like they had, they they really tried a lot early on in the New Fifty Two, and I think yeah. one of the things they ran into is the fact that they tried to always keep their book count at fifty two. And that mm-hmm. there was a few times where I, I could have just should have just told them, you know what, just take a break, get something good. You don't have to force something down our throats that sucks. Yeah, well, they were really holding on to that gimmick at first, and were just publishing anything to keep that alive and going. Yeah, it, it was painful. Um, and. Honestly, I'm kind of a... Oh, 23 kind of... issues of Constantine. Oh, wow. Yeah, that didn't last long, then. That's Was longer than I would have thought. That's, that's yeah. actually not bad these days. I mean, yeah. like I said, if you can get above 15 issues on any run, you're you're doing well. They try, they tend to cancel things at about 6 to 8 issues. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that... 23, book, 23 issues. All right, so... Uh, can what Give us a... Uh, uh, a top five of your the books you're anticipating from DC. Uh, we can go around the board if you want. If Mike, if you want to start, or if Ellis, if you want to start. You know, Ellis, um, why don't you go ahead? <laughs> you just it pass has to be new. Or just con- yeah. it has to be new and it's like big continuing. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about DC. Can I just give you my top five of non-DC books? Absolutely. Yes. Please do. Oh yeah. All right, right now, um, in no particular order, I'd have to say my top five would be, they're finishing up a series called Chrononauts. It's another Mark Millar book. Yeah, over at Image. Uh, oh, my God. It's, it's, it's in his fourth book. The first issue, I was a little, little shaky on, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a time. Second issue, I was falling out of my chair in love with it. 
Uh-huh. And then I was like, okay, this is going to be hilarious. And then the third issue, I'm like, oh, my God, it's so serious. And it's still awesome. Yeah. Um, fourth book comes out uh, tomorrow. I can't wait to get it. That's definitely in my top five at the moment. Um, also, No Mercy. And I think that's a – I don't think that's Image. I think that's Oni Comics or Oni Comics. Uh-huh. And No Mercy is a phenomenal comic. It's about a um, – it's about a, like a high school slash college – group of kids who go on a volunteer like a mission mm-hmm. to a undisclosed South American country their bus in the first issue goes off the cliff and these kids are now stranded in the middle of a hostile territory a very a very dangerous country and like mm-hmm. half of them are dead and they're all these privileged white kids from the suburbs who are now in essentially hell uh, just quite a uh, quick side note that is an uh, image book oh yeah. is it image yeah mm-hmm. okay and then um, uh, let's see I'm trying to think <laughs> Catching me, uh, oh, Hit 1956, or Hit 56, I should say, is another good book. Um, it's just a solid, like, almost a noir story. I really okay. love what they've done with it. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've got here. Um, For, as far as noir books go, have you ever read the uh, Darwin Cook did an adaptation of the Parker books a few years back? No. Um it's one of those things I, I kind of feel like Captain America sometimes because I'm like I'll add that to my list. Right. I, I'll say if you like those those types of like a, a good gritty crime book and it's done by an amazing artist, you know, look, check out uh, Parker. It, it is. Alice, did you ever get into reading Parker or no? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and it, it's just like right out the gate within the first two pages, you're just hooked on it because the storytelling is just phenomenal. Um, one of the other ones I want to add, and this one is for sure from uh, Ani Press, is that it's called um, Bunker. Okay. And it's kind of like lost in a modern ter- in kind of a modern terms. These kids are out to bury a uh, time capsule and find a bunker. The uh, the bunker itself is like a it's like an information and like computer bunker, and it's got notes from themselves in the future about how they destroy the world. Mm-hmm. And so they're now torn between, well, do I follow what myself, what my future self told me to do, or do I fight against it? Because I don't want to be responsible for the death of the world. Right. And it's really crazy the the story as you as it unfolds, because every character decides to take his own his own um, his own path, and whether he's going to go with it or not go with it. And it's it's really crazy the the whole story as it, it goes out, because you get into their their lives and their characters, and it moves fast and. Like I said, it's like Lost. It just hooks you in with all these questions. Well, what's going to happen next? Okay, and that's called Bunker by Oni Press? Yeah, it's Bunker. Okay. Um, and that one's, uh, I believe, by Josh Fialkov. Uh, and uh, you mentioned Savage Dragon. I think that's a phenomenal comic, so I won't add that one on there. Um, I'll tell you one. I don't know if you check it out. Speaking of uh, Mark Millar going back to Chrononauts. Chrononauts? Chrononauts. Chrononauts, the delicious treat. Um he has a book. I'm not really a big Millar fan. Um, his books tend to kind of go a little teenagery to me. A lot of times, I like Chrononauts, but he also has been putting out another book called "What is it? Is it Jupiter Circle?" Oh yeah, with uh, Wilfredo Torres. Yeah, and the that last book, issue, the way it ended. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is a phenomenal comic book. It's a follow up. To oh wait, which one was Jupiter? 
Okay, so Jupiter Circle, and that's the follow-up to another book that he did last year with uh, Frank Quitely, who is one of the greats of the comic industry. And uh, it, I'm not a big Mark Millar fan, but this book is just super well done and tackles the Millar take on 1950s America and superheroes. And if anyone gets a chance to check that out, um, they definitely should. Absolutely. Um, the One of the big antagonists in the story is uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Mm-hmm. And they handle him so well. Yeah, especially. I thought that was very well done. Oh, yeah. And they handle, you know what they really do handle is the fact that it's, especially then, but even still today, um, some people feel that their life is, the life that they want to live and the life that they have to show people are two very different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a guy who has to choose between doing what's right for himself and doing what's right for his friends and and being true to his, his beliefs. And it's a great story of conflict. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, not, not kind of going off with that, also secret identities and what it's like. And one of the main characters in the book is a uh, superhero on America's premier superhero team, their version of the Justice League. Pretty much, and uh, but he's a gay man in 1950s America, and that's kind of where it ties back in with J. Edgar Hoover. And so he himself is living like three different identities, and one of them he has to keep from his closest friends on the uh, on the team. And it, it's it just tackles a lot of different subjects very well. Wilfredo Torres is an insanely good artist, just super clean line work. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I can't recommend that one enough. That's Jupiter Circle and Savage Dragon are definitely my go-to image books right now. Uh, I know, Ellis, you were just telling me about another book yesterday. Oh yeah, uh, Five Ghosts. Really good one. I enjoyed it. I started it maybe like a month after it came out. Uh huh. How would you describe it? It's... All right. So there's a character. He has. He's able to like kind of. It's not powers, but he's able to think with different minds from all these kind of characters from books and stuff. And he like he's doing like detective stuff. It's really good. Um, I can't really say much without spoiling it. Okay, so Five Ghosts by Image is yeah. another book you should check. I, I I really like. I mean, Image has always kind of had a nice variety of different books, but I really feel like they're, they're hitting something right now with a lot of great creators going over there. Oh yeah. No image image is, I mean, the one thing that makes image good is the fact that the creators want to make money Mm -hmm. and they need to, they can test out different things. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, they move on. Yeah. You Uh, know, speaking of image books and creators, uh, is it James Robinson? I think it's James Robinson just did, a new Airboy f- uh, book for Image Comics. And James Robinson, who uh, did the classic Starman comic of the 90s and the terrible Justice League of America comic of the pre-Flashpoint DC. Um, and it's one of the... I don't, I, can't, I don't even want to necessarily say bizarre, but it's just like you're reading it and I don't know why I was reading the book. Like, I can't say that it was bad, but uh, Airboy for uh, anyone, because nobody knows who Airboy is, really, was a uh, 1940s pilot adventurer book about, I guess, a boy with a plane. 
who fought Nazis and whatnot. But uh, Isn't that all people did in the 1940s was that's, fight Nazis. What else is there to do? I mean, you know, if you have to fight anyone, it might as well be a Nazi. It's not like you're going to be in the wrong. Um, it's just but, it works. <laughs> but the whole book that they do is honestly, it, it's like a. Uh, I guess it's supposed to be like a biography of him and the artist. Uh, guess trying to come up with ideas for the book. And it's just like 20-something pages of them doing drugs and running around with hookers and being naked on panel. It's very strange. It's a weird book. And then Airboy shows up at the the last splash at the end of the book. And I don't know that I'm going to go back to it. But uh, it's a very bizarre... I I don't know why they were like, yeah, this is the take we're going to go with. Fear and loathing with Airboy? Yeah, kind of. It's kind of you know what maybe that's the take maybe I think you just put it into words that's that's what it was. Have you read Where Monsters Dwell? Uh, I have not. All right, well that's a Marvel book that came out, and if you're talking about um, just you know pilot adventures, it is it's well first off it's not a standard Marvel like PG book. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the opening scene is you've got your main character Carl Kaufman who's talking to his uh, this this giant um, Polynesian like Southeast Asian like the the Southeast theater um, princess on an island and she's clearly pregnant and talking about all the things they're gonna be doing together and he's like hold on one second I, I forgot something in my plane and as she's continuing to talk to herself you can see him just packing up throwing his stuff in the plane and just taking off yeah and it is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it's a it's a great book and it's 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 a wonderful air adventure. Um you should check it out. It's only you're only one issue back. It's in the Secret Wars like part of Marvel, but they're like, yeah, it's Secret Wars kind of cuz we pretty much have to include that title in it. Right. Um so read that book instead of Airboy from Image because I don't know what the hell happened on that book. <laughs> Like, was there no editor who like got those pages back and was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, let's let's not do this, guys. Let's let's try again." Occasionally, you just have one that sneaks through. Where we're all like, "Well, let's just pretend that didn't happen." Yeah, I, I, it, it's almost to the point where like I feel like there's something bigger that I'm just not grasping. Maybe it was like a it, giant joke that nobody stopped. Yeah, that's kind. Of, yeah, it's like, yo, what if we just did? coke off some hookers for like 22 pages and they're like oh yeah that would be crazy james robinson and then they made that book there's three guys sitting around going all right let's have an over under on how many books this sells yeah (laughs) one apparently i was the one um the the, uh to wrap up my five though the fifth one i'd add is lumberjanes it's in its 15th issue okay i've heard of this it is so much fun and it is great for everybody. It's just, it's it's like salute your shorts with girls in in goofy monsters, and it's it's a lot of fun. It just grabs your imagination. It doesn't take much to get into it. There's no sweeping storylines, no overarching. Anybody can jump in anywhere, and it is just a fun book. And that's from Boom Studios. Yeah. Okay. Right on. All right. So. Those are the five books 
and however many books you talked about in general that you should or shouldn't be reading. And by shouldn't be reading, I mean Airboy by Image Comics. Because what the hell was that? Um, all right. So I think that pretty much wraps it up. Do you have anything you want to say regarding Marvel's big Secret Wars event that's going on right now? Oh, wow. You're wrapping it up and then asking me about Secret Wars. Okay. Well, you know, well, I'm just saying. I, 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 can, uh, I can sum up Secret Wars in a sound. Well, the sound is Doom is God. Oh, uh, mine was going to be meh. Yeah, no, I've. it's a nice try. Um, I, I really want to give Marvel like a shake of the hand. It's a great job, guys. Um, the fans who are diehard follow every like thread Marvel mm-hmm. people absolutely love it. The average fan is like, I, I, I don't get it. I don't, what, what, what's going on here? I, this makes no sense to me. It's yeah, a, like, I, I was saying that to you before uh, we recorded earlier. Is you know I've been reading comic books long enough to you can hand me any comic book and I know how to read it. Like I don't need the whole overall big picture of what's going on. I can get it. I read that first Secret Wars issue and I had no idea what the hell was happening. No, and I mean the premise is absolutely solid. You're bringing these two, you're bringing the Ultimate Universe and Earth six one six together, and they're going to collide. Yeah, and, it's it's Marvel's uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then it makes no goddamn sense. No, and it's hard to care about anything. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, let's. I'm I'm de- I definitely lean more DC in life, um, but I have no problem pointing out when the majority of their books I think are awful, and uh, I think Secret Wars just I don't get it. If you look at what they're reprinting. Uh-huh. Star Wars. Marvel is reprinting Star Wars. Every week there's another reprinted Star Wars book. They can't stop selling those books. Mm-hmm. In Secret Wars, it's like, it's the opposite of DC's Convergence. In Convergence, everything counts. Mm-hmm. In Secret Wars, it doesn't mean a thing. Nothing counts. Well, it's like, their version of Crisis on Infinite Earths. They're trying to clean up everything that you don't really need to do. Right. And then, like, let's have, I mean, the Thor police force is so cool. Yeah. But then its application in other comics, you're just like, oh, well, is it really? That, that's what we're doing with it? Yeah. Also, isn't that just the Green Lantern Corps with hammers? Well, yeah, but you have Groot Thor. You get, okay, do you have Groot Thor? Yeah, you have a Groot Thor. And Groot <laughs> actually got his own book. I don't, oh, boy. <laughs> Why? I read the Groot Solo book, and... Okay. It's pretty much like, well, let's relaunch the Rocket Raccoon book, but let's not make it suck. Okay. So let's make it Groot, and it's Rocket doing all the talking. Right. And, I mean, it's really fun, but a Groot solo story uh, is another one of those ones where there's just like... It doesn't seem sustainable to me. Yeah, let's see how many it sells, you know? Let's, yeah. Let's see if this happens. Um, speaking about the Star Wars thing, um, and this is something that... Uh, I know Ellis and I and a friend of ours, Ryan, had discussed a while back when Star- when that first Star Wars comic came out and sold a million copies and everyone was celebrating and being very happy. I had a lot of concerns, uh, chief amongst them being that at no point in the past 20-plus years has there been a drought of Star Wars comics. Like They have been in- published by Dark Horse forever. And so when another issue of a comic book comes out for a franchise that has been putting out tons of comics for years, all of a sudden, you know, is selling a million copies. And obviously those numbers have, you know, started to go down because it's not sustainable in uh, this climate. Like, it it really concerns me about there being a bubble. 
It's not a bubble. The fact is that all the Star Wars comic books that came before from Dark Horse mm-hmm. didn't have Episode Seven hanging over their head. That's fair. Well, I mean, you also had the uh, the prequels. In short, in retrospect, we know that the prequels sucked. But going into Phantom Menace, nobody knew that it was going to be bad. No, they didn't. Um, and Dark Horse was not putting out a million-dollar selling Star Wars comic. No, but Dark Horse... Uh, it's, it's Dark Horse, I love and hate the Dark Horse Star Wars comics. I'm a huge Expanded Universe fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I've when, when people say they've read all the books and they talk about the Expanded Universe, I usually laugh at them because that's nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. But I've come pretty close to it. And okay. <laughs> Do you laugh at yourself in those scenarios? No, I know how many I've read and uh-huh. how much time I've spent on it, and I want to cry when I think about the fact they killed the Expanded Universe. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't uh it doesn't like make you pause with concern of like oh this is weird that this book sold a million copies because this isn't probably I mean it's obviously not sustainable but it doesn't, it doesn't raise any red flags for you Do you know what people are getting a little too concerned about whether Star Wars is sustainable or not the fact is that the Star Wars book itself is a mm-hmm. solid story and sure. aside from Sana Solo you know, in the last issue, which if you're not familiar with, Han Solo is apparently married and nobody knew this. Mm-hmm. That was a huge deal. That part, yep. I really want to see where they're going. I'm hoping it's not like a River Song character. I'm really hoping it's more of a, um, this chick's crazy, man. I don't know why she follows me around. Right. Um, but the book itself was solid. And in that issue, there's a fight between Luke and Boba Fett, which mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Um, Darth Vader's reaction to finding out Skywalker's name, because you got to ask yourself between between uh, the um, episode four, right, A New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back, why does Darth Vader suddenly know he's Luke's father? Was it the Force that told him? And it turns out it was Boba Fett. You don't think that he? I I, I think I've I, I'm not. I'm someone who really loved Star Wars as a kid, and then they became an adult and realized that they didn't like Star Wars at all. But I've always kind of had an issue with that, and I just always assumed that he knew that, you know, somebody named Luke Skywalker was hanging out with some other uh, people who he was related to on a desert planet that he also used to live on as a kid. It seems obvious at first, but honestly, it's one of those things like, where, where's the best place to hide? Well, Anakin never wanted to go back to Tatooine, so that would be the best place to hide. I don't know. I, I have issues. I'm not saying it's perfect storytelling. There's plot holes in Star Wars a mile wide. Sure, sure. But if you follow the way they all tie in together, the Leia book is the, and, you know, coming from Legion of Leia, I can't really say this too loud. But the, <laughs> Leia, the, the Leia book is terrible. They are going to riot when they hear this. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get, I'm sure I'm going to get an angry message about that. But, you're you're uh, going to get a message from upper management. <laughs> but the Leia book itself is bad art, bad writing, and it's just garbage. The <laughs> other books, though, um, Vader's book, it's awesome. The main Star Wars book, it's awesome. I love what they're doing with it, and it's canon. So. As somebody who's soaked up um, the EU, this is all the canon I've got. So, you know, I'm stuffing it in my face like a fat kid with cake. Right on. This is all we have. Um, all right. Well, so 
buy a million more issues of Princess Leia so Mike doesn't get in trouble. Um, you know, honestly, I wish we got a kickback from it, but we don't. <laughs> Have you guys had any issues with anything using the uh, Leia name, or is that like... Honestly, um, Carrie Fisher supported us, so I oh, think that's right been on. a big, big thing towards us uh, maintaining legitimacy. And then so much is used. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at the 501st and all the other organizations that have had pretty free reign with what they do with the Star Wars names and the Star mm-hmm. Wars intellectual property. Mm-hmm. They're pretty loose about it. For as crazy as crazy as you think it should be, it's it's it all it all you know promotes the same thing. We all love Star Wars. You know, I mean, that's probably a good point because you guys are so supportive of it. I tried to have Wolverine as stupid, overused character, and Marvel wasn't pleased with me. Well, they did not take too kindly to that. They threatened Ellis. He had to bicycle ride uh, Joe Casada um, to keep me out of legal wrangling. And, oh my uh, god, that's I'm um, I'm sorry. I didn't I we've I don't know. Maybe like I said, <laughs> with, with our founder being a little bit of a a little bit of a uh, Hollywood person herself. I think she might have had a little bit more sure. pull with that. I um, are you saying that she has more pull than Alice's bicycling? Seriously, I think <laughs> I have more here. <laughs> you know what? You should you you guys should uh, have a bicycle off. I'm just gonna fight her. Okay, well that's I no. I wouldn't recommend it. No, <laughs> definitely not that. All right. Okay. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap up everything. Uh, Mike, do you want to go ahead and give a shout out to um, where people can read your blogs and they can find you? Yeah, totally. Um, you can find me. Uh, I write the pull list, which is the um, comic book uh, article or the comic book section for legionofleia.com. It's all one thing. And I had to learn how to spell Leia because that was a word I was very bad with. <laughs> um <laughs> It's L-E-I-A, just to be just to be clear. And um, legionlea.com. You can also find me on Twitter at, at Mr. underscore Espinos, E-S-P-I-N-O-S. Um, I tweet there, not much. I'm not really a big Twitter person. I don't have much to say. If I have something to say, I usually write it down mm-hmm. um, elsewhere. And aside from that, I'm. you can also find me in a handful of other places, but most of it's boring teacher stuff. So unless you want to want me to teach you how to do uh, trigonometry or something along those lines, I wouldn't suggest going to YouTube. Well, that's going to be next week's episode where Ellis uh, learns trigonometry. No, I'm good. Fantastic. (laughs) You've always wanted Sokotoa in your life. I already know that. (laughs) Uh, I barely scraped by math, so I have no idea what you guys are talking about. But, um, and you can uh, listen to us every week on soundcloud.com slash 80 page giants and also we are now on itunes so you can look us up on itunes 80 page giants you could rate review us um whatever goes on with itunes i don't know we're relatively new to it but uh you can find all of our episodes i'm sorry alice leave their terrible comments on there you can leave terrible comments on there you can leave them to ellis personally um you can write terrible comments to me on Twitter at Dutch underscore Graves. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think that's that's covering all the bases. Uh, Mike, thanks again for joining us this week. And, sure, uh, happy to have you, sure, happy to be here. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again sometime soon. And, uh, Alice, do you have anything you want to tack on? Yeah, I have a special shout-out here. Okay. To Ryan 
whenever he decides to listen to this. All right. Okay. That's cool. And hopefully next week Alice won't be calling in from a hash brown and we can actually hear him. What? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been 80 Page Giants. We'll be back next week with I don't know. We'll figure it out before then. Thanks for listening. And that's our show. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up anytime at 80pagegiants at gmail.com. You want all the things that he said he would try